Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I haven't actually written anything for this little bit, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only hello, goat gag, wog one, isn't it? <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> that'll do, Donka. <laughs> that'll do, that'll do Donka. Hello, Goats listeners. Welcome to the greatest podcast on the planet and soon to be the greatest podcast among all colonies when we eventually get to Mars. I'm looking at you, Elon. Let's oh, get us there. Elon. Don't look at Elon. Elon's Why? fucked it. He's really biffed it. He's having a right mare. Well, yeah, but, you know, he's still going to send us to Mars, so... Largest loss of wealth of a single person in, in recorded history. Wow. Yeah, he's got it to spare. Talking about Elon Musk's misfortunes, how are you two both? Have you been misfortunate enough to lose the largest net worth of any living man in history, or have you had a much better week than that? My net worth is actually zero right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, actually, like, genuinely. But I did get a tattoo. That's always worth it. Another yeah. one? Was that? Oh, so we've, seen, we've seen that one, the fish. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You showed yeah. us after the episode last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Well, I've had a grand day out anyway. Nice. nice. Yeah, Vinny keeps all his money in a little jar, so he doesn't know about that. Put a little spunk jar. Yeah. <laughs> Why, spunk, spunk? Why is there spunk involved? Look up uh, Rainbow Dash plush toy and jar. No. <laughs> Thank me later. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> is that rainbow as in dash as in like. Of course, Seb's like going to be like, jump, oh yeah. Like sprint. Rainbow Dash. Rainbow Dash jar. Yeah. Rainbow Dash jar. <laughs> what is that? Is that cum? <laughs> is that Rainbow Dash and a jar full of cum? <laughs> I can't believe you've never seen this before. It's like internet, like folklore. You're always looking up all this weird shit. <laughs> it's like 4chan uh, history. Why is it brown? Because well, he left it on the radiator. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a story for another time. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What we don't know is check the user who submitted that u slash v dog two four nine six. But yeah, other than that, yeah, I've had a great, I've had a great week. Uh, I saw you in person, obviously, Mork, on Friday night. Went out yes, with my you brother, did. who is yep. a fan of the show. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. New patron. He was starstruck. Yes, and he's a new patron. So yeah, yep. thank you for that as well. I signed his ball sack. What? 
and Mork signed my brother's bullsack. It was a bit weird. We were all very drunk. He didn't have to use his tongue, but he chose to. <laughs> In the middle of the pub. He didn't have to spit on it as well. It was bit, <laughs> wasn't right. He didn't have to warm up his hands like this first, but he just did. Was... He didn't have to do that laugh beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, boys. But yeah, I've been good. I did my first ever, I think my first ever adult overtime shift today. Wow. I think ever. It was only an hour, but I feel very adult. Wow. You worked longer than your contracted hours for more money. That's a big yeah. step. One hour. Wow. <laughs> One, hour. <laughs> One whole hour. <laughs> nice. But yeah, how are you doing, Mork? Pretty good. Yeah, like I said, saw you on the weekend. That was a great night. Battered you and your brother 2v1 at pool. Oh, yeah. Always a good result. Yep. I was a bit of a pool shark, Seb. I was like, oh, I've never played pool before. Like, for like every single day at Potter's. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The thing about 2v1, though, people are always like, oh, I beat you 2v1, but having two is a hindrance. It is a little bit, uh, I know It what you can mean. be, yeah, yeah. Well, it's an enormous hindrance, because you set up a shot, and then your fucking partner just biffs it. Yeah, true. So... I think the alcohol was more of a hindrance, to be fair. I was really drunk at that point. I was, yeah, like, wobbling. Same. I was like, oh, God. I don't oh, need... no. That's when I noticed how drunk I was when we started playing yeah. pool. It was when we were walking home that I noticed how drunk I was. <laughs> it was when I was lying in my own vomit the next morning when I realised how drunk I was. <laughs> but I, I did manage to oh, clean God. up most of it. Oh, Vinny. No, did you actually wake up in your own sick? No, I was just next to my sick. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else happen? Nope. Don't think so. Fair play. Oh, I got hit by a gritter lorry. (laughs) Nice. What? You only just remembered this. (laughs) We'll move on. We'll move on. It wasn't very helpful. Okay. Carry on. Sweet. Anyway, should we get right into the show? Right in. Let's go. So... Animation, it's been around, like, for ages and that. In fact, it can be dated back to the 18th century and can be done by anybody with a flip pad and a pen and that. It really started to take off in the 1920s when Walt Disney created Steamboat Willie and the golden generation of American animation started. Fast forward to the 1960s and anime is starting to be born. Then, in the 90s, hit TV animations such as The Simpsons and South Park come around, introducing a more mature and adult audience to the world of animation. Because of this influence, in around the 2010s or some 2010s, 2010s, internet and flash animation starts to hit a peak with creators like ONENG, Psychic Pebbles and Jared Wright who have now taken internet short-form animation and gone to big-time TV. There were even some attempts by our very own V-Dog to get into animation, and those videos are still up today. Now, forward to the present day, where shows like Rick and Morty dominate the animation space, and its fans squeal the words, I'm Pickle Rick, where's my Szechuan sauce at poor McDonald's workers? But through all these eras of animation, which show was the best? Which show had the best animation, or the best writing and characters? Which show is the absolute goat? It's over to you two. Who is going first to goat up the goatiest animated show? 
I don't mind going. Vinny, is it more sort of, is it going to be like a funny, is it, would you rather go first or second? Have you got like a big reveal or is it just pretty? No, I'm getting right. I've got a very, an answer I've been passionate. I've been very passionate about this answer for many years. Same. It's a very real answer. What a great episode where we both wow. got a real answer. Let's hear Seb's first, just in case right. Vinny's more passionate, we'll end on a passionate note. If yours is Family Guy, I swear to fucking God, Seb, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're passionate <laughs> about Family Guy. <laughs> so, um, in the late 90s, what was bigger than The Simpsons? Well, nothing. But what if you could create something that was like The Simpsons, a bit more edgy? <laughs> some jokes that you might not expect. Maybe a kind of dysfunctional family more dysfunctional than the simpsons with a dad who's like a proper alcoholic the son's a bit of a waster a daughter they all hate and like maybe the dog can talk and so can the baby <laughs> that would be hilarious <laughs> that so, is hilarious <laughs> in 1999 seth mcfarlane no, i'm joking um yeah. so <laughs> before... do you want me to restart <laughs> stop watching <laughs> that was a bit do you want me to restart seth the trouble Seb, is when you when you that, bit that too many times. Hilarious. <laughs> when you bit too many times, the bit is more obvious than not bitting. Yeah. yeah. So I shouldn't have bit the bit. You guys didn't bite the bit. You knew no. it was a bit. We knew it was a bit. Before I reveal to you which animated series I've chosen, I'd just like to tell you a little bit about it. The series I've chosen has only four half an hour episodes and one full length movie. However, every single one of those episodes and the movies has been nominated for an Academy Award and every single one has over 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those five instalments have taken 30 years to create and excitingly, a new instalment is set to come out next year on Netflix. This time frame isn't due to the lack of demand but because the animation process renders about a second of footage a day when the animation process is going at its fullest. And that animation process is stop motion or claymation, depending oh, which way, how American you are. I think are. you know what you're going to go for. Yeah. So episodes can take, so installments, I should say, can take upwards of a year to film. However... Despite being only on our screens for less than five hours, the characters, their names and their tastes have become British icons. I am, of course, talking about that wacky inventor and his loyal dog, Wallace and Gromit. Cheese! Oh, Seb, you've struck, you've struck a heartstring with me because Wallace and Gromit, the first one, A Grand Day Out, is like one of my best childhood memories really i took it completely seriously i was just like i actually love wallace and gromit maybe it's a bit sort of wholesome and a bit like cringe but i i genuinely fucking love wallace and gromit so mm. obviously wallace and gromit's first adventure as you just mentioned a grand day out was actually started by nick park the creator of wallace and gromit as his graduation project for film and tv school in 1982 However, because he chose to animate it using stop motion and a, ton, a literal metric ton of plasticine, that's, he just ordered a ton <laughs> of plasticine to his workshop and that's what he started with. A Grand Day Out wasn't actually finished until seven years later 
1989. And he was able to do that because he got a job at Bristol-based Gaonyu Brizzo's animation studio, Ardman, who allowed him to carry on working on the film in his spare time. And obviously this film, as me and Michael watched it quite recently actually, features the cheese-loving Wallace, who does look a little bit different, but he's, he's got the same pullover cardigan with the tie and everything. He's just, you know, he looks, he's quite fingerprinty. Yeah, little he belly. looks really creepy in the first one. Like, have you, have you yeah. watched the first one recently? It's terrifying. Yeah, really, I watched it the other day. It's like a horror yeah. film. <laughs> no, it's good. It's very, it's really charming. It's like, um... All the fingerprints and stuff and how he's like... He's just like, he's got the face of a cold-blooded killer. Like, there's no emotion behind his there eyes. There is like, no, yeah, jaws. <laughs> and that scene where he's, like, smacking the hammer and the thing's like, bah, 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 bah. it's, like, really loud and he's just going like a robot like that. There is more emotion in the dog. That's great. Like, genuinely. No, the best bit is when he's, like, drawing the thing. He's like, shh, 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 and he draws the thing and he starts doing the, like, rocket bit and he's like... And he's like scratching it so hard. It's almost like he's having like a yeah, psychopathic yeah. rage. It's like, it's supposed to be wholesome. Like he's like, we're blasting off into space. But it's almost like he's like planning like a bombing explosion. He's like, Rah! he gets really angry. That bit, even as a kid, I was like, fucking hell, what's this guy on? <laughs> no, specifically the bit where they're in, the, where he's down in the basement building is quite creepy. Once they, so spoiler alert. They build a rocket. They go to the moon because they're looking yeah. for cheese. Moon's made of cheese. But the bit where they're building the rocket downstairs, it is creepy. And I think it's because there's no music. Yeah. It's just like all noises and like there's no like happy music in the background. So it becomes quite like visceral. I also think he's just not having a lot. There's not a lot of expression on his face. Like he's no. very like cold. Yeah. It, it, just in the first yeah, one, yeah. like all the other Wallace and Gromit's, there's a lot more expression. So they're building this rocket to go to the moon, but on the production side of things, the voice of Gromit... Oh, why do I keep putting fucking Gromit? The voice of Wallace, obviously not the fucking dog who famously doesn't <laughs> yeah. say a word. The voice of Wallace was performed by the long-established and well-known actor Peter Salas for the incredibly low-ball fee of 50 quid. And basically Nick Park just out of the blue sort of was like, maybe I think Peter Salas would be perfect for this role. He's got this perfect like West Yorkshire accent that I think represents it really well. I'm just going to send him like a letter and ask if he'd do it. And he was like, yeah, right. So they filmed all the lines. However, it took Park so long to finish the film that he then rang up Peter Salas and was like, oh, by the way, I finished that film seven years later. And apparently Peter Salas audibly swore with surprise yeah. on the phone and was just like, fuck <laughs> you now. Like he didn't think it was going to happen. Probably forgot about it. But yeah. So obviously, A Grand Day Out comes out, has a screening at Bristol, and it is just huge. It's an instant success. It's got all of those things that we now associate with Wallace and Cromwell. It's quite British. It's got all this sort of like twee, charming humour that everyone finds very funny. It's somehow both inoffensive, but slightly edgy and a bit creepy, which I think people just like enjoy. It's got a lot going for it. And it was in fact so popular that it received... Nick Park's first Academy Award nomination. So the first film he directly produced and directed was a nominated for an mm. Academy Award. Now, it didn't win. It was pipped to the post by Creature Comforts, which is also an Aardman classic, where they went out and interviewed people on the street and then used their voices to voice, like, random zoo animals, which is just, like, iconic. There's one of, like, a South American, like, leopard on a tree that's, like, really, really funny. But anyway... This huge popularity 
for a grand day out, gave Nick Park the kind of power and the go-ahead to start working full-time for Aardman on making another short Wallace and Gromit movie. And this became the iconic, my favourite word, wrong trousers. Now, I think this is probably my favourite. I've got the wrong trousers. It's just so good. This film features Wallace, Gromit, their evil housemate, Feathers McGraw, and a pair of robotic trousers. And it's just fucking brilliant. Feathers McGraw is a penguin disguised as a chicken by wearing a rubber (laughs) glove on his head. Yeah, That is just fucking great. And it just has so many scenes that are considered... Like, when you think of Wallace and Gromit, you're like, oh, the wrong trousers. The most famous of all, probably the most famous Wallace and Gromit scene is the train scene. Yeah. Where they are chasing each other around. At one point, Gromit's chasing Feathers McGraw. Then another point, Feathers McGraw's chasing uh, chasing Gromit whilst shooting him with a revolver holding a diamond. (laughs) And then Gromit's got a little, um, what's it called? Lampshade on his head and the bullets are bouncing off of it. (laughs) And obviously the most famous bit is when he's laying the track down in front of the model train as he's going. And there's a really incredible behind the scenes bit where they animated him to have three different arms so they could replicate the kind of motion blur going up and down of him laying them down that fast. So actually every frame he has three different arms which are coming down at the same time to give it speed up the amount of... Yeah, fair. Fucking brilliant. And that film came out in 1993. Huge success. Bigger than the first one. And won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. Now, that is ridiculous. Nick Parks made, at this point, two films, two short films. The first was nominated for an Academy Award, and the second one won an Academy Award. That's insane. Like, that's unbelievable. Then there was A Close Shave, which features the lost lamb, Sean. Sean turning up exposes Wallace and Gromit to a secret underground sheep rustling scheme run by a dog called Preston, who's, like, abusing his owner. Preston is, as is revealed in honestly still scary fashion to me, when Preston the dog goes through the shave-o-matic and they set the shave too close, it shaves his skin (laughs) off and he comes out as a fucking (laughs) robo-dog. And he's like the fucking Terminator. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's terrifying. That's still, even now, I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, when you think about what's actually happening there, they're shaving his skin off, and then the fucking sides of the container that he's in start bulging mm. out as he's, like, punching his way out. What yeah. the fuck? Terminator <laughs> pressed them. That reference to the Terminator, it is a reference, and that is, again, something that is throughout all the films, is these little references to other iconic film franchises that just, again, engage it in having this, like, fantastically very... British humour that I just think makes them work. The film again nominated and again won Best Animated Picture at the Academy Awards and has a rating of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think it thoroughly deserves. I think it's fucking incredible. Does that have a higher rating than um, The Wrong Charisons? Yes. It's the, I think it's the highest rated one, but it doesn't come up on as many of the lists as you expect of like the top films because it doesn't have that many ratings. Mm. I think it's only been rated by like 30 people like 30 journalists but all of them gave it a 100% which I think it thoroughly deserves then basically he's got a batting average of like three for three with academy award nominations and two for three with wins at this point Ardman 
and DreamWorks team up and they're like, Nick Park, make us a full length film. What does he make? Chicken Run. <laughs> Wait, he does make Chicken Run, but he also makes Curse of the Were yeah. Rabbit, which is fucking great. Again, like I don't want to just do like a blow by blow for all of these different films, but Curse of the Were Rabbit, Wallace and Gromit are now humane pest control people that run around catching rabbits and putting them all downstairs in there in the same, what's it fucking called, basement that they built the yeah. rocket in. And because they're humane, Wallace doesn't know what to do with them. So he's just put, building more and more hutches for more and more rabbits. Then he decides, what I'm going to do is I'm going to brainwash them using m- lunar energy. And I'm going to think about how much I don't want to be a pesky rabbit. And I'm going to send those brainwaves into a rabbit. And what happens? There's an accident. That fucking bit where their two heads get wedged together and they're fucking freaking out. Again, genuinely terrifying. Wallace becomes a were-rabbit. Every time the moon comes out, he turns into a rabbit and he goes around terrorizing <laughs> the villagers. It's fucking great, mate. It's incredible. It's absolutely brilliant. And again, huge success. Features probably my favorite joke of the series, which is when they ask the police officer in the church what he thinks has happened. And the guy said, and the police officer says, I think it's arson. And they all go, what? And he goes, someone's arson around. If you ask me, this was arson. Arson? Aye, someone arson around. (laughs) That's right. What have you learned? A man. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) And that just represents the perfect blend of funny, a little bit rude, a little bit clever, that I think really sets Wallace and Gromit above the rest. And I think is what makes them so endearing. They are, I would genuinely say, one of the few things, if not the only thing, that I look at and I think that is quintessentially British. Yeah. That's like a very yeah. British thing. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. There's other stuff where I think that's very British, like watching football fans hurl bricks at fucking the yeah. Estonian police. And you're very proud I'm of that. I'm not very proud you? of that. <laughs> and, and that also fills my heart yeah. with pride for England. England. <laughs> but yeah, genuinely like super British, super like of that mm. very specific kind of humour. And I think that goes for every single one of Wallace and Gromit's um, adventures. Everything from like his regional accent, his Yorkshire accent, his love of tea and cheese and crackers, and like just the humor, that very British humor of like the overcomplicated inventions that he makes, it doesn't end there. There was then a matter of loaf and death, which was about a bakery themed serial killer. <laughs> another great movie. I'm not going to do a blow by blow of that, but also contains another of my favorite jokes, I think, of any film, which is when Wallace gets a bomb in his pants. And so Gromit fills them with dough to like stop the blast going off. And then he runs to one window and there's some ducks. And then he runs to another window and there's some nuns outside. And then the bomb goes off in his pants and exposes his bare ass cheeks to the nuns. Fucking top pants, mate. um... Hilarious. (laughs) Uh, also, that also, is hilarious also a <laughs> right, you don't need to get revenge for your shit joke earlier that no one laughed at right? for context the joke was so bad it was cut from the set it I could go back and find it but let's face it nobody needs that let's just move on safe in the knowledge that the world is protected from Michael's cringy bullshit I work really hard on this so really hard man 
Oh. But yeah, that's also a reference to the Adam West Batman show. There's a bit where he's got a bomb. Oh, yeah. Then he runs to each end yeah. of the pier. And on one side, there's some ducks. And on the other side, there's some nuns. And he goes, when can a guy get a break? And it's just He says, uh, some days you can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> oh, that, that's it. Some yeah. days you just can't get rid of a bomb. That's the one. But yeah, anyway, I'm not going to keep going on about it because we all know what Wallace and Gromit is. And I think we all know it's brilliant. And I think I truly believe it is the greatest animated series of all time. It's won three Academy Awards, countless BAFTAs, and is one of the greatest and most perfectly British TV exports of all time. And that's why I think it's the GOAT. Also, it saved the Wensleydale Cheese Factory. Wow. Um, which is a fun little fact. <laughs> Where would we be without that? Well, no one was buying Wensleydale cheese. And then Wallace and Gromit, they mentioned it in a grand day out. And then everyone started buying the cheese again. And then they did an ad campaign for them on the cheap. And fucking Wensleydale cheese saved loads of factory workers, keep their jobs. It's another British, British tradition. fucking yeah. love story. Nice. Wow. I love that because I love Wallace and Gromit. I disagree. The grand day out was the best one for me. It's just the... The Grand Day Out is the goat of the Wallace and Gromit ones. It's so creepy. I just, I, it's it so just, creepy. I just have so much nostalgia for it. I had it on like VHS, and I, I could use the VHS player from like, like the age of like two or three. I was like putting in my own videos and stuff. You know, make your mind up about how great my childhood was when using a video of Wallace and Gromit was like the peak. But it was the peak. It was so good. I fucking loved just popping that sucker in and seeing the robot like clang around and like the money runs out and oh, it like yeah. freezes as it's about to hit him on the head and just is like shaking and wallace is like oh what the fuck is that and it's got all its stuff in his drawers and then you feel bad for it because it's just sad all it wants is like a friend to like go skiing and stuff and then it gets it keeps the skis doesn't it because it gets the bent bits of metal and it's skiing like it's just oh the first one is for me, by far the best one. I think it's just like a sign. The fact that everyone has a favorite yeah, Wallace and Gromit yeah. movie is a sign of how of a much of a, an incredible like franchise it is. That ev- everyone has one. There's very few people. I don't know if I've ever met anyone who doesn't like Wallace and Gromit. Probably genuinely. Jen, but she's a bit like that. Really? I reckon she's not really into really? any like British institutions other than like. <laughs> 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 right. I'm just gonna yeah. wave myself so I need to cut out. Oh, Please keep that in, please. No, Sam, do I might not just beep keep it. That. Just, I might yeah, just beep, beep that it. out of both edits. If she ever finds out I said that I'm dead. I have to say, Sebek. Thank you so much for not picking like Family Guy yeah. or like Rick and Morty yeah. or something that's oh, like, no, yeah. I have a lot to say on why it's not that good. Yeah, there's nothing not good about Wallace and Gromit. It's like a labor of love as well. Like to make stop motion is insanely hard. Yeah. Did you know I Disgusting. did a B-Tech in animation? I didn't, but it doesn't shock me. I did it <laughs> for, I did it as like a timetable filler in college because I needed to fill an hour a week. Because I did law as well, you know, so not, you know, not just a thicker short planks, whatever. <laughs> um, well, look, I mean, I'm no one to judge. I failed an outdoor egg B-Tech at A-level, so. Yeah, well, I may have failed animation. I didn't collect my results, so I don't know. Well, I, I failed mine because I left early to go and work in a factory. So Get in. That's how fucking we roll, baby. <laughs> yeah, boy. I still put pass down on my CV because fuck it. Yeah. But what I submitted as my final thing 
was stop motion animation. I created a little scene of a tri tri ceratops. No, Tyrannosaurus Rex eating a triceratops. Nice. And Vinny, you'll know Very we nice. did a little bit of stop motion animation when we were kids. I yep. loved it. Lee Hardcastle, shout out UOG makes some amazing or made some amazing stop motion on YouTube. I really like graphic and gory ones. They're fucking great. But yeah, so you've hit two great things with me there. I love Wallace and Gromit. I absolutely love stop motion animation. And having done it, I know how difficult it is. So well done, Seb. I also am very glad you didn't pick like something shit. (laughs) But I really, I just like, I thought about how I didn't want to do it more than I thought about doing it. The only thing that was close was the original Looney Tunes, because I remember watching them when I was a kid. But as soon as I thought Wallace and Gromit, I knew that was what I was going for. Yeah, I just fear that you've made my decision. I I think Vinny's picked a strong one, and I fear that it's going to be incredibly difficult to choose. Nice. Because Wallace and Gromit's so good. Well, we got a good episode cut out for us, I think. Can you imagine if Vinny pulled out Rick and Morty now? I don't think he would. <laughs> just shouted wubba dubba dub dub and then like left. <laughs> well, talking about <laughs> talking about wubba lubba dub dub, it's time for the game. To bring it a little bit more lowbrow, I've got a great game for you. What I've got is stories about animation. Some of them are true, some of them are false, some of them I've made up. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, this is Who Said That Line? What I've actually got, it's some lines, and I'm going to give you three options. Who said the line? And these are particularly difficult, I think. I haven't just done wubble a dub dub or I'm not fat, I'm just big boned. You're not going to hear any of that. I thought for a second it was like you're going to, it was going to be like animators talking about animation and lines. I was like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. I can't wait to dig into this. And <laughs> it's like, nah, no. wubble a dub dub. <laughs> no, it's not going to be wubble a dub dub. We should probably stop saying that, because we might get cancelled if we make too many Rick and Morty references, I reckon. Right, so, question number one for you, Vinny, because you went Pickle Rick. Last. No. <laughs> Is it Pickle Rick? No, it's not. Peter Griffin? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who would have fight? Tommy Pickles or Peter Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I should have done Who Would You Rather? Anyway, <laughs> right. I need to deliver these lines. So right, laughing is right. like who would you who would you rather fight, right? Right, right. Tom, no, please Pickle- don't say Tommy nope, Pickles. Nope. He's a child. Pickle Rick, but when he's gone like Super San with all the fucking animal bones and that, or fucking Peter from Family Guy, but that episode where he's done steroids. <laughs> right, should we move on? Yeah. <laughs> right, cool heads. So line number one. Vinny, well, yeah, I'm sad, but at the same time, I'm really happy that something can make me feel that sad. Butters. Your options are Bojack Horseman, Butters, or Morty. I know the exact episode of South Park. I'm a massive autist with South Park. I know this shit. It's it's Butters. Correct, it's Butters. Yeah. Well done, Vinny. Yeah. You do, you really do, because I scoured for, I, I wanted to pick a Butters line, and I scoured for an obscure one. That was the most obscure I could find. Um, so, well yeah. done, well done. I know the exact scene. Right, Sebek, over to you. Vinny's already pulled out a bit of a lead. I fear he might do quite well in this quiz, though. <laughs> so, Seb, line number two. Stupidity got us into this mess, 
and stupidity will get us out. Was that Rick Sanchez, Koala Man, or Homer Simpson? You know that bit in Peep Show where he's doing the like names on the, the band names? Uh, the only bands he can think of is Coldplay and the Beatles. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel now. I'm just like, uh, Rick or, or Homer? Is Rick or I don't know. Um, I've never heard of Koala Man. It's a new series. Okay. Um, I think I know the answer. It sounds like a more like Homer Simpson thing to say because he always has those like lines that sound like vaguely poetic, but they actually don't make any sense. So I'm going to say Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson, sure not Rick Sanchez. Stupidity got us into this mess and stupidity will get us out. You doubling down, Homer Simpson? You saying that makes me want to pick Homer Simpson more. Then you would be right because it's Homer Simpson. Ding, 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 ding. Happy days. Yeah, that of course was Homer Simpson. Anything to do with stupidity normally means Homer Simpson said it because he is, well, he's fucking stupid. Right. Vinny, line number three. Excuse me, coming through. What are you here for? Just kidding, I don't care. Was that A, Eric Cartman, B, Rick Sanchez, or C, Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Who famously yeah, doesn't talk, you fucking idiot. <laughs> no, he does talk. He just goes... The reason why I'm laughing is as I read the word Scooby-Doo, I was like... Fuck, he doesn't even speak properly. <laughs> okay, is it either Eric Cartman or Rick Sanchez or fucking Stewie? <laughs> when you said that line, I immediately did think Rick, Rick Sanchez. I think I've heard Rick say it in Rick and Morty, so I'm going to go with Rick Sanchez. You are going to go with Rick Sanchez. Now, would I put a Rick and Morty reference in here, given the recent controversy? Yeah, you're quite lazy. Yes, I would. It is Rick Sanchez. Well done, Vinny. What was you the line got again? That right. It was. Excuse me, coming through. What are you here for? Just kidding. I don't care. That's such a Rick and Morty thing to say, isn't it? Fucking it is, yeah. Everyone suddenly hates the show. <laughs> Vinny, you got that correct. Two points. We're doing very well. You've both got all of them right. Will that change now? Seb, over to you. Next question. Hello. I'd rather shit in my hands and clap than hear you speak. Was that A? Eric Cartman, B, Big Les, or C, Peter Griffin, who you famously think is the greatest animated character of all time. The strongest animated strongest. character of all time. <laughs> when he's on steroids. He, he beat Goku up. <laughs> and Tommy Pickles. <laughs> and Tommy Pickles. So hang on. And you think Peter Griffin's the most fuckable as well. We, we established that. <laughs> no, right. I think it's... Um, <laughs> no, I think it's uh, Lilo's older sister from Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, that was we, my, like, we know. Yes. Awakening. Yeah, we know. I don't know if I've said that before, but she is fit and thick with two C's, man. Yeah, I've heard anyway, that. Anyway, I don't think it's going to be Peter Griffin because he doesn't normally, he's not like witty on the show. The show makes like what could be considered to be witty jokes, but I don't know if he ever says them. He's not, his character isn't that of being quick. If you said Stewie said that, I might go for it, but I don't think it was. Big Les. I haven't watched as much Big Les as you two, but again, then I say, I'd rather sh- shit in my hands and clip. That does sound like the sort of thing he'd say. <laughs> he doesn't have a Cockney accent, by the way. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's very famously Australian. Clap, you little fuck. I'm Big Les. <laughs> that does sound like the sort of thing he'd say, especially if his son was like, 
can you buy me an Xbox? And he'd be like, I'd rather shit my hands and clap. But then Cartman is known for his like, pow, pow, witty retorts. I'm going to say Eric Cartman. I've not watched a lot. I've not watched any South Park, so I really couldn't tell you. But Okay, so Seb, you are saying Eric Cartman. You have unfortunately got that one wrong. It's Big Les. You would it? have been right with Big Les. Yeah. yeah, your thinking was right. He's talking rather to Norton. shoot my hands and clap than hear is you speak. Norton? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Unlucky, Seb. That you nearly got it there. It is. I, 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 I pulled defeat from the jaws of victory. Yes, you did. Yeah. Right, Vinny. Over to you. Your last question. To win the tie, actually. Oh shit. Then Seb to get a bonus point, maybe get some resounding, like, I don't know, pride or some shit. So, Vinny, if dolphins are so smart, why do they live in igloos? Dolphins, Eskimos, who cares? Was that A, Koala Man, B, Stewie, or C, Eric Cartman? I think I've heard that line before. Yeah, I think I have as well. So I don't think it's Koala Man, because I haven't actually seen that season, uh, that series yet. Uh, I, it doesn't sound like something Stewie Griffin would say. Because he's too clever. I don't know why I'm giving you the hint, but I feel like Stewie's whole character is that he's clever, so he'd know that a dolphin... He's clever know. and he's gay. That's his entire character. Yeah. Oh, and he's British. He's gay? Yeah, he's super gay. He's like very, oh, very, right. very flamboyantly gay, yeah. I don't, I, I've don't. i not seen very much Family Guy, actually, when I think There's about that it. whole episode where he goes on like a gay getaway with Tom Cruise. <laughs> There's a whole episode. That just sounds that. pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Eric Cartman. I'm going to go with Eric Cartman. You're going to go with Eric Cartman. Vinny, you've gone with Eric Cartman. And you would be correct. That is what Eric Cartman did say once upon a time. Well done, Vinny. Three out of three. Fucking hell. Should have known. <laughs> On the spectrum, mate, you can tell. You <laughs> should have known. So I'm quite pleased with two out of three, to be honest. Well, with you me. haven't got two out of three yet. So far, you've only got one out of three. One out of two. One out of two. Maybe you can get two out of three. Let's see. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right, Seb, over to you, mate, for famously two out of three. The last line of the show, who's, whose line said that? Whose line is it anyway? What Dunn said that, innit? I mean, this was something I made. Something that came from me. That was a part of me. The only thing I ever made that was any good. Was that A, Morty? B, Randy Marsh? Or C, Donald Duck? Who? Randy Marsh is Stan's dad in South Park. It's definitely not Donald Duck. I don't... I haven't watched enough South Park. If it is an episode of Rick and Morty, it would be the episode where he gets the sex robot pregnant and then he has a, 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 a an alien son who then goes on... Gazorbazorb. Yeah, Gazorbazorb, who then goes on to write a book about how much he hates his dad. And I think he might say that at the end. So I'm going to say Morty. I think I'm probably wrong. I would have gone with Morty as well. Well... If you'd both gone for Morty, you would both be incorrect. <gasps> Vinny, you idiot. It was Randy Marsh when he did the giant shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not as spectrum as we once thought. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, he does the giant shit yeah. and twists oh, around. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold really upset because he's supposed to be the biggest shit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a great episode. Yeah. 
Sorry, sir, but I feel like I've done you a bit of a disservice. I didn't know you hadn't watched as much as much South Park as like normal people. So normal people. Some of those questions probably a bit unfair. <laughs> they are. South Park's fucking great. If you'd pick South Park as the goat, it probably would be. I actually love South Park. I think it's. I genuinely think it's a fantastic show. But there we go. I think that game was a hit. I I enjoyed that game. It took actually a very long time to put together because it was really hard to find all those, all those lines. But that was a growing success. Vinny, well done. You showed that indeed on the spectrum. You are very high up on it. So, well done. That was a very spectrum-y thing to say by me. <laughs> spectrum all around. It's a big rainbow for all of us. On the spectrum, you're very high up on it. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> Print that on a t-shirt along with words, do we need them? Bang. Flying out the doors. Vinny, what's the greatest animated show of all time? Is it going to be The Big Les Show? No. And I'll tell you why. Okay, so... Obviously, as we found out from the middle section, animated shows are extremely near and dear to my heart. I'm very autistic about them. So there was a lot to choose from. But the one that I chose, and to be honest, I've had this opinion that this is the greatest animated show long before this show, The Goat's Show, has existed. And it also boasts 100% on Rotten Tomatoes that I just looked up. And a whopping 9.3 on IMDb. Pretty crazy. But yeah, so what I've picked is Avatar, The Last Airbender. That's right, not Family Guy. By M. Night Shyamalan. Very famously, like, one of the worst movies ever made. Is that the one? Yeah, the movie. That's what I'm talking about. The really bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to start with the plot. And it's quite simple. And especially because the show literally starts with the plot every single intro. As If you've ever watched the show, you'll know, you know, long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> yes. But yeah, yeah, so the story takes place in a fictional world, which is divided by four kingdoms. And these kingdoms are represented by a different element. Those being water, earth, air, and fire. And they're divided in this way due to the fact of the, the, the magic in this, this world, this universe, whereby some people can manipulate these four elements to their bidding. And these people with magic powers are known as benders. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and so like the water tribes, they possess water benders, the earth kingdom, they have earth benders, so on and so forth. And nobody mm. can bend more than one element. That is, except for the avatar who can bend all four elements to his or her will. Now, the Avatar is more like a spirit in a human's body, because every time they die, they're reincarnated immediately. So they're kind of like a god person, essentially, in this world. Now, as, yeah, as the famous intro goes, everyone was living in peace, then the Fire Nation attacked, and the Avatar was the only one powerful enough to stop the Fire Nation on waging war against the rest of the world. But when the world needed the most... He vanished. And then 100 years later, uh, a brother and a sister from the Southern Water Tribe, they discover the Avatar in a big block of ice. And after they thaw him out, it turns out that he is actually the Avatar that disappeared 100 years ago. And that he has just been in this block of ice for 100 years, completely unaware of this whole war and everything that's happened, basically. Was he the one who was going to fight the Fire Nation? Or was he, was Aang reincarnated? Because I swear, like, the one who was fighting the Fire Nation and then disappeared was, like, a bloke. He was, like, all-powerful, and they were like, that's why they are like, oh, I'll fucking get him. Go and get him then, Avatar. And he was like, all right, I will. And then he, like, obviously he disappeared. I don't see Aang being the guy who's like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking fight him, and then just 
thought like do you know what i mean i i sw- did he die and then he was ang's the reincarnation basically yeah so the previous one to ang who's the avatar of the story he died like 110 20 years ago basically to when the story takes place and then instantly reincarnated as ang as an as a as part of the air nomad people he's like an airbender all right sure and then he like they it, call upon him to fight because he's a kid no. he's like fuck that no 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 no, no. Right. that's not what happens it's, it's you just carry on telling the story because i'm fucking it up <laughs> yeah yeah so he doesn't he has no idea that the fire nation attacked he has no idea that he thinks everyone's just like living peacefully everyone's having a good time basically and that's where their story begins but what makes the story so good well it is a show for kids but for a show for kids it's got some heavy fucking themes and obviously war is a huge theme throughout the series and with that it comes with themes of loved ones being murdered such as the two southern water tribe teenagers Sokka and katara having have their mother murdered by the fire nation years ago because she was a waterbender and the fire nation are basically like let's just cull everyone who has powers that could defeat us so they end up just wiping out all these people essentially just genocide basically yeah essentially and this tragic loss p- does pop out throughout the series, and there's even a brilliant episode in the last season where Katara actually finds the man who was responsible for her mother's death, but in like a big twist at the end, she decides not to act in revenge because she basically feels bad for him because he's like this feeble old man who's got nothing left in his life left living for. That's nice. I would have probably just squashed his face, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so is everyone able to bend or is it just certain people just certain people just certain people okay but not only did the fire nation try to cull all of the waterbenders but when they first invaded the father kingdoms a hundred years ago the first thing they did was go to the air kingdom the air nomads because they knew the avatar would be reincarnated as an airbender so they literally did do a genocide on all of the air nomads and murdered every single one of them literally every single one of them except for you know the hero of the story ang who is the last airbender last airbender okay now i'm with you yeah 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 they froze him in the ice to protect him and shit innit? no they didn't (laughs) oh anyway how did he get frozen in ice it bit it they fell (laughs) you find out like the seventh episode that basically he didn't know he was the avatar growing up but like the the air nomads knew that he was the people who like raised him like these monks and they knew he was the avatar growing up and they told him on his i think 10th birthday that he was the avatar he was this like person who was supposed to bring peace to everyone and he was basically like no like i just i just i just want to be like a a, like a i just want to hang out with my friends and like be in the air temple all day for like the rest of my life like this is what i love so he runs away in a storm and then to like protect himself because he like crashes down into the waves he like freezes himself like in a block of like air which like freezes and yeah, then he's yeah. just stuck in yeah yeah so it. he just it's completely coincidental that he goes off for 100 years essentially bit selfish yeah well yeah he's 10 years old he was told that he was like the god man of the universe i think he's literally like the messiah to save <laughs> he's the quite whole terrifying world. and he was like yeah. fuck that i just want to like play football on that <laughs> <laughs> essentially yeah. well, i just want to play xbox <laughs> <laughs> In the third episode, they actually do visit the Southern Air Temple, which is where he grew up. And obviously, it's 100 years later. Obviously, everyone's dead. 
So all they find are the skeletons of his friends and the family he once knew. It's it's fucking dark, actually. It's really fucking dark thinking about it. Mm. So yeah, right out the gate, other than the super heavy themes, what's the other most captivating thing about the show? Well, it's the magic system in the world. It's the elemental bending. And like like I said, some people do possess this power to control an element. And this show really goes into detail with how like all the cool and super creative ways that people can use their like specific types of magic to like for like world building and like for like fighting and stuff like such as you know the avatar ang himself who is an airbender and he uses airbending powers to you can use it to like glide through the air on this like human-sized kite thing that he has (laughs) essentially so he can like fly around and shit like that and he can like create a little ball of like gust that can like you know travel you know he can fucking go super fast around like water and you know, you can do all this cool shit with air. You can run really fast. But I thought he could use all of it. How come he's only using air? No, I'm just giving an example that air can be used for these specific things. Oh, but does he do water stuff as well? He does everything at the end of the show. He, like, the whole thing is him, like, learning all the elements so he can st- uh... stop the Fire Lord, essentially. Cool. Right, sorry. Uh, another example is how in the city of Basing Se, which is, like, the capital city of the Earth Kingdom, they have a train system whereby the carriages are made of stone and rock, and earthbenders use their powers to basically carry people from, like, stop to stop, because they, like, can push the rocks, essentially. So, like, they have all this, like, stuff that's, like, really world-building, and, like, how in a world with people, with certain people with these magic powers, Mm. how they would actually, like, utilise it for, like, public transport or something, Yeah, you know. Quite mundane, but very interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And even, like, there are small examples where, like, firebenders use firebending to just heat up their tea. Like, just small things like that. It's just, like, you know... And even, like, bigger things. Like, there's an episode in the last season where this woman who's a waterbender uses her waterbending powers to, like, bloodbend because there's water and blood. And she uses it to, like, bend people's, like, limbs and, like, make them into, like, her puppets, essentially. Like, it's a kind of, like, a horror sort of episode. It's very, like, scary and stuff. But, like, it's, like... It, that that's like how creative and like how in-depth this show goes into like all these different powers and systems basically but yeah not only is the world building exciting but the fight scenes are really fucking cool because all of the four elemental bending styles are completely based on real life martial arts so basically there is a whole list of them but the only one that i could pronounce slash i knew was how the the martial art of tai chi is used as the basis for waterbending because Tai Chi is very like flowy and stuff like that, which makes sense for like water waterbending. That's so cool. Yeah. So what is another great thing about The Last Airbender? Well, the characters, obviously. You can't have a show without characters. And all of these characters are fucking fantastic. They all go through massive development arcs, whatever you want to call it. And to name a few of the main players, we have, like we said before, Ang, the Avatar, who does start out as basically just a goofy kid who kind of is just like, yeah, I guess I'm the Avatar. Ha, let's like not talk about that. You know, he doesn't really want to acknowledge all the burdens and things that he has to like carry. But as he progresses through the show, he learns more elements. He travels around the world, becomes more learned. He becomes way more mature. And there's even a really interesting episode in the last season where 
Ang, it, it find you know it, it turns out because Ang was always raised by these monks who are kind of based on Tibetan monk culture, the air nomads. They always taught him that violence is never the answer, but he's kind of supposed to kill the fire lord. That's like his main goal, and he's like, I literally can't. This goes against everything that I'm being taught, and it's like a really really interesting dilemma that like he has to go through. Another character being Toph or Toph. She is a blind earthbender who you meet in season two, who basically came from like a very rich and powerful family who kept her locked up in a mansion as her parents were basically terrified of her being hurt or being taken advantage of. But it turns out her blindness is actually her strength because she's such a powerful earthbender that instead of seeing the world through her eyes, she sees them through earthbending. So she knows exactly where everyone is. She knows when people are lying because she can literally so good she can like hear the heartbeat like treble onto the earth. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. What is cooler in any sort of TV show film than a blind person who's fucking not actually... They're like blind, but they don't need their eyes. Yeah. It's yeah, always yeah, fucking yeah. sick. Always. They're sick even though they're blind. It's, it's always in Kung Fu shit as well. They're always like sick at fighting even though they're blind. Have you ever watched The Boys? Yes. There's a bit in that which is like... It like preempts that, and then he's like doing all the shit, and he's like doing this parkour course, and he's like, "How can you do that?" Like Homelander, who's like the kind of villain, he's like Superman. He's like, "How can you do that?" And he's like, "I hear like I use like echolocation. I like click with my mouth, and I can hear where things are." And Homelander just smacks his yeah. ears, and he like falls to the floor. And he's like, "What good are you now?" Now he's just a blind freak, you little bitch. And he's like so angry. And he's like, "Don't be you fucking dare bring a fucking cripple in here!" And he's like so angry. It's fucking That's great. What? I literally, I literally only yeah, just... I haven't seen Boys. It's next on my list after Game of Thrones. I just finished it. Oh, it's, it's really good. Yeah. So good. But yeah, other than Toph, they're the two favourites of the show, and they're actually two firebenders who start out as the series' main villains in the first season. Those being Zuko and Iroh. Now, Iroh is my personal favourite character. He's is basically he the uncle? He's the uncle, yeah, the old like wise man. He's basically this old military general who was disgraced when he was he was set to conquer the Earth Kingdom's capital city, Basing Se. But during the siege, his only son died during the battle. And he was so, like, heartstruck by it. He was like, I can't do this. And, like, he just had to, like, basically leave disgraced, like, and not go on and conquer for, like, the achievements and whatnot. But basically, he's seen by the Fire Nation as it kind of has been. But in reality, he is this, like, wise old man who just fucking loves drinking tea and, like, guiding his nephew, Zuko, into the right direction. Mm. And plus, he's really fucking funny. He's just one of the funniest characters in the show. He's great. Yeah. And now Zuko, on the other hand, he is the banished prince. As a teenager, he was invited to attend a war council with his father, the Fire Lord himself. But during the council... A general wanted to plan essentially a war crime and murder hundreds of innocent Earth Kingdom civilians for the Fire Nation's war conquest. Zuko then speaks up and calls him out and says, like, this is fucked up. This is horrific. We can't just murder innocent people. But in doing that, it turns out he's insulting this higher up general who then is then challenging him to an Agni Kai, which is a kind of firebending duel, like a one-on-one duel. 1v1 me. Yeah, exactly. Do they at any point do like the kind of anime beams where like just fire like beams into each other or do they avoid that kind of behavior? I think that happens in the la- like one of the last episodes. It kind of doesn't really, does it? 
because that's always such a letdown for a show like there's always that joke that all marvel films eventually end with just two superheroes just like beaming at each other with like a big <laughs> ball of energy in the middle and it's like for fuck's sake really <laughs> two big beams of energy yeah yeah just like one guy's doing this another guy's going like this and it's just like for fuck's sake but it's always just on. like cut from guys faces like oh and then there's like oh and then like cuts to the ad break and then when the ad break comes back, and they're still, oh, oh. Oh, so annoying. Dragon that Z, that yeah. is Dragon Ball Z all over. I used to watch Dragon Ball Z so much as a kid, and it is—it's actually shit for that reason. It's just, oh, it's so ingenious though. Like, imagine you've got like you've got like two unbelievable superhumans whose like powers are so big you can't even comprehend them. Well, just cut to their faces. Then you don't have to animate it. Just have them doing this. Just do that's like half the episode. Standing still going. Yeah, just standing still going. Like it's so easy. Like it's ingenious. It was always so funny when it would like it would cut to other characters' storylines as well. They're like running around doing whatever. Then it would cut back to them like a storyline. It's just their faces. They're like B story. (laughs) Ten minutes. Cut. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so Zuko's challenged to an Agni Kai, but then it turns out when he gets to the Agni Kai like arena, whatever. It's not the general that he disgraced. It's not the general he insulted. It was the Fire Lord himself, his own father, that he insulted <gasps> by speaking up. So it's his own father he has to 1v1. No. So obviously Zuko refuses because he, he's like, I love my father. I'm not going to like hurt him. But his father's like, no, fuck that. You will fight me. And when Zuko refuses, his father, the Fire Lord, punches a fireball into Zuko's face scarring him for life with this big old red scar that he literally wears for the rest of his life and banishes him from the fire nation being like i'm not having like a weakling son who's gonna like take over the throne like you are nothing basically and he basically tells him you'll only return once you you're gonna sail around the world with a tiny little boat with your disgraced uncle you can only return only once you find the avatar which is seen as kind of like a a lost cause because nobody's seen them for a hundred years yeah. So he kind of sets in this impossible task and then is like, you can come back once you've done that. Yeah. Which is like, the first season is, you know, the episodes come back and Zuko sees him and he's like, the whole thing is about how Zuko just wants to catch him so he can regain his honor and come back. And I don't want to spoil his entire character development, but there's so many fucking twists and turns and betrayal and is this the right thing that I'm doing and all this sort of thing where it's like a lot of inner turmoil and is is uncle's trying to guide him in the right direction and all this but i i don't want to spoil the ending but it's it's literally the best character arc i've ever seen in any tv show or movie literally ever i'm not joking it's such a fantastic character arc that is why i think some of the reasons at least why i think the last airbender is the greatest animated show of all time in the western side of this world at least it's got literally everything it's got humor like i you know I, I i could literally talk about this for fucking hours but like i haven't got enough time but <laughs> i missed out but there's so many fucking funny jokes like soccer is an extremely funny character he's always come out with, like these witty remarks that just ira as well is just like an extremely funny character he just loves drinking tea and playing like mahjong and playing his little like loot thing you know yeah i remember that the uncle was really funny yeah exactly um it's got like incredible fight scenes and animation that's just like jaw dropping it's got just really, really good character development, fantastic characters that you love to root for and just, you know, love to see go through these, like, these trials and tribulations. It's got, like, genuine tragic and sad moments. Like, one of the saddest scenes in any 
piece of media ever to this day and it still make, it still chokes me up whenever i watch it is the scene where iroh it's like an episode in season two where it's like four short stories in one like episode and one of the short stories is iroh sort of going around in the earth kingdom like in incognito like living a new life essentially because he's like completely disregarded the the fire nation at this point and he like a mugger tries to mug him uh and he basically like He's just like pushes him over and it's just like your your stance is weak. Let me show you how to like do a good stance. And then he sits him down and talks like, "Why are you trying to mug people?" And he like helps out this guy with some like sage old wise man advice. And he likes picks up this guitar and starts fucking shredding and playing this song called "Old Soldier Boy" <laughs> to this little kid. And he stops him from crying. You know, he's like doing all this like really nice stuff. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he goes up on top of this hill. And he lights these two like incense candles and he puts down a picture of his son, his his deceased son. And it turns out it was the birth that day is like the birthday of his son, who's obviously been dead for a few years now. And then he sings to himself the old soldier boy song. And like with like tears coming down his eyes, and like the the episode ends, and it's honestly it chokes me up even. Because he sees his son in the other kid. Yeah, he sees his son. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's oh mate, it's so fucked. It's <laughs> It's just, it's literally got so much going for it. And it's such a testament to how great of a show it is that I fucking loved it as a kid. Like, it was one of my favorite shows ever as a kid. But even now to this day, as a 26-year-old, having watched it, like, five times all the way through at this point, no joke, I still think it's so fucking good. It's got everything, literally everything. And I just think if you haven't watched all of it, you're missing out. Wow. Yeah, because I know being a bit of an animation nerd as well that, like, it's very highly praised for blending, like, Western... Because it's made by... We- it's made in the West, isn't it? Is it? I but didn't know that. It's very much... It's very... Yeah, that's the thing. So it's very highly praised for people not knowing it's made in the West when it's highly derived from, like, traditional anime. So it, like, kind of crosses the border and appeals to both audiences. Yeah. And I wonder if it was like a big player in the in anime becoming so popular as popular as it is now, because that was one of the first super accessible animes to like Western audiences, along with like things like Dragon Ball Z and stuff, were obviously really popular as well. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, this is a really tough one because, oh, fuck's sake, can we just have both win? No, we've had this before, and that's not in the rules, is it, Mike? Mike, Mike, Morg. Michael. Morkel. But I don't know how I'm going to pick. I don't know how I'm going to choose. Just pick mine, mate. Or just pick mine. Just think about what, what resonates most with you. I think is what I always go for. That's so subjective. I can't do that. <laughs> well, we do. That's our whole shtick. Um, Has Avatar, The Last Airbender, ever saved a cheese factory? <laughs> No. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just adding, right. you know, pros and cons, pros and cons. Let's go over it. So I just looked it up. Avatar had 60 something episodes. So I'm trying to, I'm going to weigh them all up now in like a little pros and cons list, right? So like animation style probably tips it Wallace and Gromit because stop motion is such a fucking pain in the ass. And it's got, I feel like it birthed stop motion publicly to be like actually that style and every stop motion since has emulated that like first wallace and gromit i might be wrong it might have been wallace and gromit emulating something else but that's the way i sort of see it and avatar 
is also a fucking pain in the ass to animate because it's frame by frame animation, which is incredibly difficult to do. I mean, all animations disgustingly hard to make. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All animations disgustingly hard to make. So I, I would, I reckon, Wallace and Gromit is probably edge of that one. The appeal and the influence, oh, probably like a tie because Avatar is enormous and has birthed like it. You know, it was so big, and like Shyamalan was like, "I'll take a crack at it." And that uh, was fucking have. horrible. You really shouldn't have. Is there anything that man won't take a crack at? Though? Yeah, 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 true. It turns out he'd never actually watched it, watched the show either. Fuck's sake. Yeah, of course he fucking didn't. That was the whole point. Yeah. Um, but you, yeah, Vinny, you failed to mention about when Prince Zuko went on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and he, like, knew all the answers to the questions based on, like, real life events that sort of happened Prince to him. Zuko. You remember that bit in Avatar? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Because the actor who plays Prince Zuko in the in the is, oh, is he in the live Millionaire? action one is the Slumdog Millionaire guy. Yeah. Oh, Can't really? His name is. Michael Dante? Is that really? No, wait, not Michael Dante. What's it? Uh... No, not no, no. He's got a different name, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the same guy. I've never seen Slumdog Millionaire. <gasps> Audible gasp. Is it good? It's really good. Yeah, it's fucking great. Watch it. It's really good. Dante Basco. He was in Slumdog Millionaire. Are you sure? The guy who plays Prince Zuko in M. Night Shyamalan's one is the guy from Slumdog Oh, and M. Night Shyamalan. Sorry, I thought you meant the animated, the, the, the good one, the one we're talking about. No, obviously not. That's the whole joke I was making. Anyway. Oh. So, yeah, Wallace and Gromit influence, like, stop motion, and in particular Britain. But the thing it probably does, I don't know how good its global audience is. Oh, it's massive. I'm not just saying that, it's fucking huge. Like, do American audiences resonate with yes. Wallace and Gromit? Yeah, it's huge. Curse the Werewolf, it cost 29 million to make, made like 150 million at the, glo- at the box office. Fair play. And then Avatar just said it crossed over the bridge between Western and Japanese animation and kind of like blended the two together in like a great little mix i would concede that probably avatar the last airbender is probably has a larger global appeal than wallace and gromit yeah that's what i was meaning i think it probably does so there's points in both camps right i'm not picking you two fucking pick (laughs) no you pick but while you picking i'm gonna give you 10 seconds to pick i just want to say a big shout out to one of our patrons keith J. Who just is just such a boy. He just fucking loves the show. He keeps sending us messages. He like follows us on Instagram. He's a patron. He's like the top tier goats fan. I just I'm pretty sure we've already given him a shout out, but I saw he messaged us again and I just thought Big get up on Keith. Keith. Legend get mate. on Keith. Keith, if you're listening to this, please come and choose for me. Because I, I genuinely can't pick. Uh the right, so now I'm thinking. Wallace and Gromit is that is that an animated show because it's only got like four episodes and that's not really a sh- are there, is it like a, a movie series rather than a show? It is an animated series. It is, a, but it is an animated series of short films. I'll give you that. Just trying to get out of a little loophole to see if I can like fucking logic it, but I don't think I can. Right, fuck it. I've decided, and I'm going off what you said. Seb, I'm going off subjectivity. Oh, no. And just because it resonates so well in my child brain, I'm going to give it to Wallace and Gromit because I love Wallace and Gromit Grand Day Out so much. Thank you. But Vinny, I I literally could have just tossed a coin and picked Avatar 
or Wallace and Gromit because I can't. It's like that. That's the hardest one, easily by far the hardest one we've I've ever had to. I choose. think that's one of the best episodes we've ever done because we were both really into it as well. Like I fucking love Wallace and Gromit because Avatar's so good. Like it is so good, and everything Vinny said is true. And the animation is fucking great as well. Besides all the characters and everything else, just the pure animation is great. But stop motion is like a, such a labor of love to be able to make it. Oh yeah, I don't know. I might I might have made the wrong choice, but I'm going to go with Wallace and Gromit because I just love Grand Day out so much. That's why. All right, then. Well, thank you very much. The end. Um, I'll show my respect for the amount of effort and passion that Vinny put into his by not jumping out and shouting, Sue, which I thought about doing <laughs> and I thought was inappropriate. <laughs> Anyone got anything else? I'm quite hungry. I kind of need to go. Yeah, shout out Keith, shout out Ben Middlemost, our newest, bestest patrons. Oh um, yeah, shout out Ben, thank you. Listen, next week. Shout out to Family Guy. Shout out Rick Shout Marie. out to Family Guy. I'm Pickle Rick! <laughs> well, well, I love a dub dub. Oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> I saw that, I saw that on a mug once. Yeah, I, I saw it on a hat. I saw it on a bucket hat with weed leaves on it. Oh, whoa! <laughs> That's so, that's so good. good. I saw it on a bong that's once. so Fucking good. It's unreal. They just subvert expectation and oh, incredible. Oh, mate. You're just not intelligent enough to understand the meaning behind it. That's what it I is. Know, <laughs> it's a show for people with high IQ. Wubble up a dub dub. <laughs> All right, then. Right. <laughs> All right, then. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.